Hello and welcome to Hometown Daily Season 2, Episode 232 for August 20th, 2023. Tonight we're going to be discussing cooking up a different kind of pasta sauce, the legacy of the Genesis device, a $30 million Rolls Royce in California, spiderweb lightning, the history of the Gorn, Ferrari Fire Engine Red, coolest summer jobs for teens, a 1,000 horsepower four-seat Lamborghini EV, French AI surveillance plans, check the tires of that EV, perfect rating from former uh, bank robber, and a beer in every state. I said you were at Hometown Daily, but here's my intro. I'm Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that's keeping tabs on me, but not necessarily reining me in when I go off the road here in my intro. How are you doing? You want to say hi? I'm doing great. Good evening, hometown citizens. Hello, hometown citizens. Um, so we are now somewhere over 554. Six five hundred and sixty. I can't remember the actual number anymore, but we're over well over five hundred now episodes. So that's pretty cool. I kind of kind of dig that. Um, now you only get sixty episodes over here on Twitch. You have to go over to YouTube, uh, like, follow, subscribe, ring the bell, do whatever it is that they ask you to do over there to keep aware of what's going on uh, with the show. And uh, there's more over there than over here on Twitch. Ultimately, all of it is over there, as well as the podcast. You can download, I think, over 500 episodes over on the podcast. Um, wherever ye old podcatchers catch pods, you can catch hometown. Uh, let's get into today's articles. What say ye? I say let's go. Doth thou even clicketh? Links. Very first article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Uh, X software engineer brings in $129,000 a year making pasta in her kitchen and selling it for up to $240 a box. Fiona uh, Afshar started posting cooking videos on Instagram in 2018. Now she runs a lucrative pasta business from her home in Malibu, California. So when you see that, what do you think? <laughs> well, I start to think about, uh, is she allowed to sell pasta that she makes in her kitchen? So I don't know if it's a commercial kitchen and, and that's fine. Uh, I don't think that that falls in any, um, what, what do they call it? Um, cottage industry licensing. Right not normally um typically because it has ingredients that are that will decompose or or go bad um milk and eggs and things like that typically are are not allowed um but you do you think oh it's just pasta just regular old pasta right that's well, what you I, think i i think from the headline it must be like unique shapes or something 
because oh. of the engineer piece. But no, I think it's probably just regular noodles. Well, wow, you actually took that a lot further than I thought because you dragged the engineer part into it. So you made it seem like it it elicits a higher brow level of assumption there. I mean, even in the assumption, you were thinking big brain there. Well, this is an article over at CNBC in a section called Make It. And so Megan Sauer and Zachary Green are the two that put this article together. I kept stumbling around the $240 a box. What the heck is $240 a box? There's a video here and let me let me grab the link that sends you over to the article, our source. Um, but uh, you go through hometown, all roads lead to hometown through hometown. Um, go and check it out and um, keep on listening. Keep on hanging out and chat. And uh, when you look at the video that's there, you're like, they're they're drying pasta on a pasta dryer in their kitchen. Well, first off in hometown, there would be three cats chomping on it. Hanging off of the noodles. <laughs> exactly. Um, but uh, no, it's just not normal everyday pasta. I'm going to scroll down. So they, they are... They are on YouTube. Um, they are on uh, Instagram, Facebook, but uh, their videos are over on YouTube as well. I didn't watch anything yet. I haven't gone over to their site. Um, but $240 a box pasta is because these are the pastas. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when somebody says bow tie pasta, you think, oh, it's just this plain, boring bow tie pasta. But no. They make it polka dot or ribbon um, style and then shape it into polka dot, uh, shape it into uh, bow tie pasta. Or I'm not sure what the thicker, um, stubbier. Uh, round I mean, it looks like called. rigatoni or something, but it looks plaid or something. Right. There you go. And she, <laughs> they stamp floral patterns into it and augment it with even the little, the center part of the flower. Uh, this is $240 a box pasta because this is laborious. This, I was like, you know, I could do this. You know, I could totally bang out this kind of pasta let me scroll back up i can bang out this kind of pasta this is nothing but then i kept on reading because i had to look at this because every time i read one of these make it style articles it's really aggrandizing like they are, are all self-made but then you find out that it's actually a team of people and uh they like uh they got a capital infused uh, whatever history from, you know, somebody passing away or all kinds of stuff, you know, that just the context changes and it's a bunch of BS. This is honest to God, hard work. And then somebody, uh, I think it was their cousin or something said, you know, you should open up a, a store, an online store. And they're like, nah. And so they did, I think it's on Etsy or something too. Um, and lo and behold, they started selling. And it's because it's not boring pasta. 
they're actually very unique artisan level pastas right I, what would be amazing if this person was on sorted but they don't want to be overly well known they don't want to explode on the scene right yeah this is really spectacular so, i would think um like restaurants would love to have this yep yeah um around the same time luxury fashion retailer sense reached out to afshar a lifelong fashion lover about collaboration They'd pay her to design pasta that corresponded with the logos and styles of brands like Gucci and Anthropology, uh, and post videos featuring those pastas on social media. Those types of brand uh, branding deals now make up a good chunk of Afshar's income. Last year, they made her about $18,000. Teaching virtual classes made her another $16,500. Her largest source of income, however, is her, from her shop. She sells boxes of colorful floral and designer-based pasta anywhere from $80 to $240 on her, on her website. And I think it's amazing. This is the, this is the thing where anybody can do it. All you need is passion, dedication, drive. Creativity. Yeah. Obviously the creativity and the ability to communicate and network and, and reach out to people. Um, I like all of that. So um i'll never do this but i'm gonna scroll a little bit um and uh where is it they use a phrase where it was ding 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 um where the uh, shop opened up i think it's at the very top up here there we go together they launched the virtual store called fiona's pasta as soon as he opened up the shop for me it was like it's like ding 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 sales are starting to come in I'm like, are you kidding me? People are actually paying a hundred dollars for pasta for this. Yes. <laughs> I can Absolutely. see this would blow uh, a visitor's socks off if they saw that on their plate. I mean, people would pay big money for this, even if it's a one-time thing, it's the novelty of it. Um, and, and to get it, you know, I honestly, I don't know how they're making it stay bonded together because it looks, it has dimensionality. Exactly what I'm afraid that if you cook it, it would, it just would separate fall apart, right? I don't know. They're a wizard. All right. Well, enough gushing about this pasta. All I'm doing is making myself hungry and, uh, I already ate, so I'm not hungry, but it's making me hungry. Like, honest, honestly, it's making me hungry. I need to go. Otherwise, I am going to eat the, my monitor. Um, the next article is over in the continuity report. Star Trek confirms the destructive legacy of Wrath of Khan's Genesis device. Okay, so here's the creepy anecdotal part of this. I was just talking about the Genesis device. Um, in relation to Star Trek Strange New Worlds um, and basically the, the latest iterations of uh, Star Trek. Uh, I Well, I learned something new. <laughs> uh, first off, I knew about the Genesis device. I knew that it's from Wrath of Khan. I knew that the follow-on search for Spock is one where they go to the planet. 
um, that's created by the Genesis device. Okay, the article's over at Screen Rant from Sean Corley. And uh, that right there is the Genesis device, and this is Khan. Um, and um, uh, let's see. The summary of the article is the Genesis device is a Star Trek uh, in Star Trek was originally designed to create life, but turned into a devastating weapon. This is one of those things where um, I had been talking with uh, people about in two different locations, two different contexts, really, um, about when you fire off the Genesis device, it could either be life giving or life taking because it can drop onto a barren world and it would be it would create life. Although, if you haven't seen Star Trek Wrath of Khan, you have to go and watch it. But ultimately what happens is that it's discovered that they used protomatter um, and it's unstable. And so the planet that's created is up unstable. I'm sure in time it would, you know, uh, reach stasis, but it, had, it goes through growing pains. Um, anyway the uh, star trek the next generation special Riker serves as a continuation and sequel to star trek 3 the search for spock <coughs> focusing on the genesis device that's what i learned today i did not know about that i'm surprised yeah i'm surprised too i don't know how this could have flown under my radar um, and then uh, the Genesis device, despite being a potential weapon, was destroyed due to unstable proto. Oh, they talk about proto matter right here. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but it wasn't. As far as I understand it, the planet still existed. Um, but maybe it did blow up. I, and I'm misremembering now um, the uh, search for Spock. I'll have to go back. Um, but. I thought that it was interesting. Uh, the whole reason why I even included this is because I was actually having conversations with people about Star Trek um, and the Genesis device. That's um, kind of funny timing. Very interesting timing. And and the, the thing that I learned about Star Trek, the next generation special Riker, it says including Marvel's 1998. Marvel's 1998? Marvel 1998 Star Trek The Next Generation Special Riker. I need to go and find that. It what can't is be right, is it? I don't understand that. I'll have to look into this because I don't understand that. Um, but I learned it as I flipped through the articles today. This actually, it was sitting like that. And I'm like, what the hell is Star Trek The Next Generation Special Riker? Um, and so I, I know nothing about it. Um, apparently it says it's written by Dan Abnett, who does Warhammer 40. It's a comic 40... book. Uh, okay. Um, so I'll have to look into it. Um, Dan Abnett is a, a pretty well-known writer. Um, and Ian Eddington, uh, and drawn by Andrew Curry serves as both a continuation of the next generation and a direct sequel to Star Trek three, the search for Spock. Um, so yeah, I'll have to look into this to see um, more about what its canon is. And I'm going to have to go back and watch Star Trek The Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock. Um, there's a lot of... there. There's context in there that now I want to know. Um, and I ended up going down a rabbit hole of sorts of Star Trek because of this. 
um, because of Strange New Worlds and its place in the timeline, it's technically and cinematically advanced and superior in pretty much all ways to other other iterations of the show um short of the other modern ones right so like uh, picard is a sophisticated um version of star trek and um what's the other one the one that's discovery discovery is seemingly canceled but it's coming back um right i mean there's a like a the final season i think is coming correct yeah um anyway so the the strange new world's timeline is making me think about uh star trek again and wanting to go back and and follow the timeline again and and stay up to date because i thought that it was dying off i honest honestly thought that star trek was dying off um and something else was going to take its place, but then they just came out of the gates like crazy with all kinds of IP again. Um, but Strange New Worlds, we know based on the canon that exists, what's going to happen with everybody that's in that. It's kind of like going back. Um, Star Wars is doing this with, you know, the the interstitial episodes and and movies and stuff like that, where you're learning about the characters like solo well we know what happens um and and uh uh the mandalorian and and others we know what's going to happen with these people so i guess it's okay for star trek um but i want to know like more about the gorn and i have an article here that ends up talking about it um, so I basically ended up going down this rabbit hole. Um, so we'll end up talking more about this. Uh, and the article it ends up talking about the fact that the Genesis device lives on, that the Maquis um, during Deep Space Nine essentially get a hold of the plans for the Genesis device and sell it. <laughs> um, but I don't want to give away all of it. So I'm just going to stop there and say that this device actually still exists in the timeline of Star Trek. Um, and uh, you know what? I dig that because the technology existed at some point and had to have been in databases somewhere. It was actually prototyped and used and funded. Um, so I'm not sure why the, there could be a whole lot of application um based around this particular device. And I have an idea for a, a story um, for Star Trek now. So I'll have to uh, talk to somebody to see if um, they could write it. We'll see. Um, Cause I have the idea for the story, but I, I do so many things that I just, I can't be the writer as well. Um, I'll give them the idea. Anyway, maybe I'll just give it away here um, at, in another session. So, be sure to follow, <laughs> come over to Twitch and hang out. You never know when I might throw something out there for you. Um, okay, well, that's it. Let's go on to the next article unless you have something that you want to add to it. No, I don't have anything for this one. Okay, good. Let's go. Not good, but anyway. Um, so this next article is over in hometown daily. Someone in California is now driving a unique Rolls Royce that costs more than 
$30 million. Yeah, you heard that right. Rolls-Royce has unveiled a unique, exclusive luxury roadster that's astonishingly expensive. It says, well, you know what? Let me just go over to the source. Here we go. Ryan Hogg is the author of this article. Um, it, they'll Apparently, they'll only make four of these drop tails. Um, it's called La Rose Noir Drop Tail which costs more than $30 million and is the first of just four to be made. It apparently was unveiled Saturday to, to the buyer at an event near Pebble Beach, uh, California, which is now just had an earthquake and, uh, well, what amounts to borderline hurricane force winds. Um, and now record flooding appears to be happening. Um, but wow, look at that thing. That is a beast. $30 million. <clears throat> I cannot imagine that any car should even cost $1 million, let alone $30 million. Pretty amazing, huh? Uh, that's one word for it. <laughs> it's a two-seater with hyper-specific features based on requests by the unnamed buyer. It's the first of just four drop tails that will be made after being commissioned by super rich customers. So, wow. Um, the car was commissioned by an international family. Yeah, I can imagine. I have a pretty good idea of where the international family is from. Uh, Rolls-Royce said in a press release, it is designed to the specification of the client with the dark red tone of the car intended to exemplify true love and the darker tone meant to denote mystery. <laughs> the 17 foot long vehicle. I mean, was for that price, it better have some good descriptions. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Luxurious Scrooge McDuck style. Uh, <laughs> right. You swim around in your... That's yeah, right. In your $30 million. Dollar. Yeah. In your $30 million. Dollar. Yeah. It still has to be filled up with gas and washed. So <laughs> $30 million or not, that thing's going to get dented and dinged, but they're going to be so, they're so wealthy that yeah, it doesn't even matter. Um, the interior of the car was uh, designed with excruciating detail. A triangle pattern was made using 1,603 pieces of black wood veneer made of black sycamore uh, sourced from France. <clears throat> consecrated, consecrated by the souls of many people. No, just kidding. Um, it had nothing to do with that. Rolls-Royce didn't immediately respond to a request for comment from Insider made outside of normal working hours. Uh, but there are pictures of this vehicle um, over at businessinsider.com and there's a link that's in chat and it'll be in the VOD in the notes and whatnot. Um, so you can go and check it out. I don't know. 17 feet long holds two people. Um, they don't talk about what's in the car. Really? They just drop that number and off you go. Um, I mean, you're going to have to have a large garage for that, but I'm assuming at that price point, that's not an issue. No, they're going to stuff that into your standard two-car garage with a 20-foot wide door. Sure. Right, and risk banging the door on another car or whatever. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure that they're, 
when their kids are getting in that to go to school in the back seat that's only two inches deep <laughs> it's only a two-seater so nobody else is getting in that car except for the two that apparently are lovebirds how romantic 30 million dollars one million is more than most people see in their lifetime this person bought a car for 30 million but i'm sure that there's somebody out there just yelling at the screen right now mayor Watt, you know they can do whatever they want to with their money yeah they can <laughs> me talking about how much they spend in a sense that it's irrational doesn't mean anything really uh, either you agree with it or you don't agree with it but 30 million dollars for a car seems i don't know <sighs> it seems excessive and i think that's an understatement <laughs> i've actually been told that it's because i'm just a bench warmer in that regard you know that i don't have 30 million dollars to drop on a car and that's why i'm I sit there and draw attention to stuff like that as being an irrational expense. Um, but hey, whatever. Uh, the next article is over in hometown daily. And it says a video of spiderweb lightning striking volcano goes viral. The video shows the unusual lightning seemingly uh, spreading out above a volcano in Central America. And uh, here we go. I don't know if this is actually it because it says dramatic lightning strike near a nursing home, but that's not the article. So let me, let me refresh it. Maybe it'll pull up the old original video. It's kind of slow. Yeah. It's not going to show that that's just lightning. Um, anyway, it might be later on, um, a stunning video of spider web lightning striking a volcano in Guatemala is what almost appears to be what almost appears to be a spectacular fireworks display has gone viral online. Has this been written by an AI? I think all bets are off. <laughs> uh, Anders Anglesey, Anglesey. Yeah. Anders Anglesey is the author of this over at newsweek.com. Uh, the impressive display of lightning struck close to the, pardon, Akatenango volcano, right? Akatenango volcano. Yeah, close to the city of Antigua. Um, southwest of the capital, Guatemala City, and was captured on camera by Derek Steele. Apparently he has 100,000 views each. Um, the video of the unique lightning formation shared in an August 18th post on the website formerly known as Twitter by AccuWeather received more than 1.4 million views. I guess that's what it looks like. That's pretty cool. But I'm telling you, cool. the the <laughs> the the uh, power of these storms is awe inspiring and also makes you wonder, hey, let's go back in uh, the data set and see are these kind of things ramping up in magnitude or is this just normal everyday whatever? Um, and we're just seeing it because the internet, um, right now that one's in Chile. That's not the one in Guatemala. Yeah. I just noticed that. So let's see if, um, they have an actual picture or video of it. No, they don't. Um, maybe if you go, you can see it because, um, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a skiff. <laughs> 
So um, let's see. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention added, although lightning affects all regions in the United States, the southeastern uh, states are most at risk. Lightning generally decreases from the southern or southeast to the northwest, except in a few places such as the Rocky Mountains, where thunderstorms occur regularly during the summer. Um, this the article seems to kind of have gone off the tracks a little bit from what this video is supposed to be showing, but. Okay, it's really cool. I went to the video, um, and I think the name is a good descriptor. Like, it's coming out of, or it appears to be coming out of the top of the volcano, and oh, it's wow. going in all directions. It's really neat. Is it actually on the site? It is. Oh, okay. So, if you follow the link through Omtown, you'll be able to see the video itself, um, and it's in the show notes. So, just click that link, and then click on visit this horse it's right there you'll see that just click that and it'll take you over to this website and you'll be able to see it it's just one of the controls that hometown has in place to avoid you know there's a lot of talk about like screen scraping and stuff like that and we don't do that um this is completely different than <laughs> screen scraping anyway um, I'm pretty transparent that I stop. I don't display everything from an article and, and uh, I don't regurgitate the entire article. And I give my perspective um, and the AI gives their perspective based on reviewing the material live. This is the first time that we've seen this article. So anyway, follow the link. Go check it out. Um, that would be awesome. Let's keep on going. Uh, the next article is the one that I was talking about earlier from uh, Star Trek. It's in the Continuity Report, Complete History of the Gorn in Star Trek. Um, for the longest time, I would say that the Gorn has been um, absent from Star Trek. Maybe a few episodes here or there. Then it popped back up again in um, Lower Decks um, as an element in the animated series Lower Decks. And uh, then, lo and behold, again, we were just talking about the Gorn because it's part of Strange New Worlds. The Gorn have become uh, one of the Federation's most formidable foes in Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Here's everything we know about them. Um, and this, these were the old school Gorn from the original series. That's how they looked. <laughs> And now you understand why I said that it, the new versions of Star Trek are technically sophisticated, um, but they're using content from the original series, which if you watched the original series, either when you were a child or later in life as a Star Trek fan, um, you went, or I should say later in time, right? So if you're in your 20s, you weren't watching this when you were a kid, but you're watching it now and you're going, my God, that was the Gorn. And then you <laughs> flip on strange new worlds and they're a technically sophisticated sentient lizard person um, that runs Facebook. No, I'm sorry. Wait, that's not true. Um, they, uh, they have spaceships and, and understand how to break codes apparently because that's what they were trying to do 
um, in Strange New Worlds. You really have to go and watch Strange New Worlds to get a lot of what this is, and it'll cause you to go down that rabbit hole, uh, landing you where I had just landed you. The Gorn made their first appearance in the iconic Star Trek original series episode Arena, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds has introduced a whole new version of the vicious reptilians and the context of them and their civilization, their society. You know, that they are, they just by scratching you, plant eggs in you and you become a host. And it's uh, largely irreversible because they can't be tracked. But now they can because of the last episode of Strange New Worlds hinting that they've got technology now that allows you allows the Federation to track them. Um, so as the tensions between the Federation and the Gorn increase, Starfleet begins to uh, fear that war looms on the horizon. The Gorn have proven to be a formidable uh, opponent for the Federation, but not much is known about their lifestyle and culture. Well, in Hegemony, the season two finale, they add a little bit of fuel to the fire, according to the article, but they answer quite a bit. Um, they also set up a completely stupid premise about who's in control of a planet, but that's okay. We'll forego logic Any on a, <laughs> on a solar system scale, on a planetary, on a, oh, yeah, on a solar system wide scale. They drew a line that would only imply control of the planets 50% of the time because or not even 50% of the time, more like 35% of the time, because the line clips just a little bit of the orbit. <laughs> yeah. That does not make any sense. Maybe I miss saw it, but there's the, a picture of the ship, the Gorn ship dropping out of um, space out of orbit down into the atmosphere and it just looks pretty damn awesome i mean this is like the this is the hand me my brown pants moment of those on the planet because it looks like it could be in orbit and still touching the surface of the planet this thing is so big mm -hmm. um yeah i dig it so they end up talking about at this article they end up talking about the gorn and the original series and then how it pops up again in later episodes of things um where the mirror universe uh captain jonathan archer uh deletes uh, um a gorn i don't know what you would call them person a humanoid animalinoid lizardoid i don't know what you would call them. Anyway, um, pretty cool. Um, and then they talk about retconning in Strange New Worlds, um, where they have the ability to pilot a spacecraft and wear space technology helmets and, and uh, environmental suits um, and seem to have uh, a, a pretty strong language and um, processes and stuff, and it's not animal. So in Arena, it seemed as though none of the Enterprise crew members were familiar with the Gorn, but Spock goes up against Gorn in both uh, All Those Who Wander and Hegemony, Nurse Chapel, and Yoda Uhura um, also aid in the fight against Gorn. Um, and, but the timeline, I guess, between where the modern Strange New Worlds is 
placed and the original series is placed kind of puts this at odds that they all knew about the Gorn, but apparently you have to suspend disbelief, I guess, a little bit. Um, so it says all the characters would uh, would be on the USS Enterprise in Arena, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds can still offer an explanation for this apparent canon discrepancy. Um, yeah, this this Strange New Worlds series could be in an entirely different timeline, um, and we just don't know it. But this is supposed to be the Kelvin timeline, from my understanding. Um, so we shall see as time goes on, uh, because they've just found bones i believe it is no um the engineer um where is it now i'm gonna lose my um star trek it's not mccoy yeah my star trek cred um it's not bones what's his name i just forgot his name and i can't believe this do, 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 do. They they find the um the injury. Scotty, damn it, my god, where is it? Is it in here? Do they not I mention that so. they that they meant they don't mention that they find Scotty in Hegemony, the the series um season finale? Oh, well. I don't think that's listed in here. Okay, well anyway. Um go and watch Strange New Worlds. It's a lot of fun. You won't regret it. Uh, but you are not going to see Gorn that look like this. Um, they've retconned. Well, that's, a, that's a good thing, right? I mean, they're making yeah. the effects and everything look better over time. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's going to be awesome, but they're retconning the hell out of the original series, which is either going to piss everybody off or they're going to buy into it and go, oh, okay. As long as they're a little bit... Um, faithful to the original series everything should be fine okay let's keep on going we are gonna run through the news today and we, we can talk um, about all of these articles um, as we go next articles over in hometown daily youtubers four hundred thousand dollar ferrari f8 destroyed by fire according to a video i actually saw this before the news got a hold of it um and i said yeah idiot um i mean a ton of money but no sense um what they ended up doing was driving their uh anders anglesley by the way is the author of this article over at newsweek.com like, uh, like a previous article um whistle and diesel it, apparently is the youtuber filthy freaking rich apparently four hundred thousand dollar ferrari f8 but it's no 30 million dollar Rolls Royce. <laughs> There's always a bigger fish, right? Ha <laughs> ha. What I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, they drove it through the driest of dry cornfields after a harvest. So there's nothing but dried out husks. And now there's a four hundred thousand dollar Ferrari F8 that's a dried out husk because it the brakes caught the uh the corn husks on fire that turned the car into a, a basically a dutch oven and then here's the kicker a support vehicle that was following along and filming it too caught fire yeah. 
Uh, well, to anybody with a clue about what goes on with brakes, you don't even go to a fair, you know, fairgrounds and park on the grass if it's too dry because your regular old car brakes could catch fire um, and then your car goes up uh, in a tinderbox because it's going to spread horizontally on the dry brush and material there and then it's going to superheat your car and then your car is just going to go up. and everybody else's correct yeah not to mention everybody else's but you just don't drive on open fields like that when the when everything is dry like that we've had record temperatures in texas everybody should be staying away from anything dry right now with anything short of a, a hose <laughs> um anyway it, they continue it was a complete accident and i originally intended on filming so many more things with the car but this was a great lesson to do even more crazy things before your car catches on fire tis but a scratch we will be back ferrari can you believe that no it, it isn't a complete really got the lesson here yeah it isn't an accident it's ignorance of what driving with a car over dry anything is going to do you drive it on dirt and you get stuck drive it in water and it floods drive it on what amounts to kindling for your fireplace and your entire car and your support vehicles go up and maybe you do too because you have to outrun the flames um so it says as the clip started the ferrari could be seen speeding across a dry corn fleet cornfield in 116 degree heat kicking up soil as it barreled along less than 30 seconds into the 12 minute video it was clear that there was an issue with the ferrari i'm not quite sure why they stopped there they probably could have kept on driving and at least gotten to a place where there wouldn't have been dry material under it um, but they stopped and that's probably the worst thing that they could have done. So I'm really curious if anybody says something like that. They were trying to pour Red Bull on it from what I saw the last time. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just kind of chuckling about it, you know, because. Yeah, all of your all, all of the people that support this person, that's where your donations went <laughs> $400,000 worth of support uh, pissed away. Um, right. And it's not like that's going to be paid for by insurance or anything. I can't imagine insurance would pay for this, but you know, maybe, maybe when you're that filthy, seems rich, like an exclusion. <laughs> maybe if you're filthy rich, you can say that it was an accident and get away with it. All right, let's keep going. The next article is over in Hatch Ideas, the coolest summer job. Um, and uh, the the title of this is the coolest summer job. These teens jump off a moving boat to deliver mail in Wisconsin. Um, so this is over in Make It. Morgan Smith is the author of the coolest summer job. These teens jump off a moving boat to deliver mail in Wisconsin. I cannot believe that this would actually be allowed by anybody. Um, by any organization that allows hiring of uh, anybody. Um, right, not just kids. <laughs> yeah, Osho should be having a heart attack right now. 
Um, Marissa Torres Rabbi, I guess is their name. Didn't want to spend her summer making copies in an office or slinging ice cream like her classmates, jumping from moving boats and sprinting off piers. Sounded a lot more exciting. The 19-year-old is a male boat jumper in Lake Geneva, uh, Wisconsin. The first and only town in the U.S. where jumpers, like Torres Rabbi, deliver mail from a passenger carrying mail boat. The tradition began in 1916 and has continued uninterru uninterrupted from uh, June through September for the last 107 years. Wow, it has survived the rise of the woke. <laughs> I mean, it's probably one of the few things that survived that long. Um, and I'm not even, honestly, I, I can't believe that it exists, um, in today's day and age of, you know, uh, occupational safety. Um, but the fact that it does and nothing has ever happened has leads me to believe that I guess there's nothing wrong with what's going on with this. Well, um, I guess they actually vet the people that do this and they're pretty skilled. I don't know if you have access to the video. This is one I looked ahead at. That? Or no? Is there another video in here? There should have been a video in the article. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't see it. But that's okay. Everybody okay. else does. Don't get me wrong, everybody. Y'all, if you follow the link, you get to see everything. Um, I have controls. So. so what you're missing is that the person goes jumping and running at full speed down a dock and then comes basically running back and, and jumps back on. It's pretty intense. It's not just the jumping. It's like <laughs> right. you're going to miss your ride. <laughs> gotcha. Some deliveries are harder than others. Ray Ames, who's been the captain of the Walworth two for the past 20 years says the largest item a jumper has delivered during his tenure uh, was a 42 inch flat screen TV a few summers back. Last year, one of the jumpers had to sprint across the pier with a 30 pound umbrella base. We'll carry anything that the post office gives us and figure out how to get it there. The 64 year old. Yeah, well, the 64 year old adds a dot dot dot. It's not going to be me. Um, right, exactly. Notice they're the captain or river. <laughs> yep. Jumpers typically finish their shift by 1 p.m., which mo or, but most have uh, other jobs at the cruise line as tour guides or bartenders that'll keep them working through the afternoon or evening. And the cruise line declined to share the hourly wage for the jumpers. Um, yeah, I hope it's a lot, but it probably isn't. Um, kind of, I mean, it's interesting, but wow. one false move and <laughs> yeah <laughs> so there you go folks you too can be a mail runner let's keep going uh the next article is over in hometown daily have you detected a theme lately in in today's no, articles I, I don't see any other transportation today no nothing um so uh this next article is over on hometown daily lamborghini's first electric car is a badass four-seater with over 1,000 horsepower i'm just gonna go straight on over to business insider nora naughton is the author um well okay lanzador will help usher in lamborghini's electrified future 
peak power of one megawatt for the Lanzador translates to more than 1,000 horsepower, and it's slated to hit the road in 2028. Uh, well, I'm more than eight minutes into the show, so I'm going to say this is a freaking badass car. I want, I want, 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 want. But it's a Lamborghini, and it's an EV. I cannot imagine what the price tag is on this. Although so it's let's... probably less than $30 million. Oh, so there's a chance. Awesome. Okay. The Lanzador concept, which the company said is a concrete vision of the production version of the all-electric Lambo debuted at Monterey Car Week. In, uh, it, or sorry, it features a four-seater configuration with relatively high ground clearance. Similar to the Ursus SUV, the Lanzador gives drivers more room to use the vehicle in different scenarios, not just a low-riding supercar or, I suppose, a cornfield barbecue. Too soon? Okay. Um, <laughs> it says, uh, while the configuration is more conventional, the land it should be Lanzador, not Landador. Lanzador, uh, as far as I understand, it should be Lanzador, um, does not hold back on performance. The EV boost boasts a peak power of one megawatt, which here it says it translates into 1,341 horsepower, but last paragraph it said 1,000 horsepower. All-wheel drive also delivers e-torque vectoring for an agile and fine-tuned ride. God, this thing. It, it speaks to me. AI start trading stocks and <laughs> make enough to cover a Lanzador. Dear God, this thing it's calling to me. Um, oh, but you know, charging this thing is going to take four hours or 15 minutes and it only has five minute drive time. So I'm not quite sure what is actually going to happen here. <laughs> Look at this thing. This thing is so sharp. You cut yourself just sitting down. This thing it doesn't is... look very comfortable. Hey, now you're an AI sitting on a USB stick connected to a Raspberry Pi. There's no complaints. Man, no, you can say whatever you want. So apparently there's no price listed in this thing. I'm sure if we do some due diligence, we can find the price. But at any rate, I guess the saying goes, if you have to ask the price, you can't afford it. I'm asking what the price is at a McDonald's drive through So let's keep on hustling through the news. Uh, the next article is over in the Mobile Channel. Paris 2024 Olympics concern over French plan for AI surveillance. Apparently, CCTV will use algorithms to detect fights in abandoned bags, but not everyone is happy about it. I'm cool with the uh, detecting fights in abandoned bags. Depends on what you do with it. Um, the article's over at bbc.com. And um, there's a lot of surveillance in, in the UK, too. Um, not so much here in the States, but it's amp getting amplified. Um, and on top of it, law enforcement is tapping into private uh, doorbell cameras, um, seemingly without any requirement uh, for permission from the owners, if I recall correctly. Um, it just takes a legal a court order to say, yeah, you can get it from the cloud server. 
But abandoned luggage and unexpected crowds, real-time cameras will use artificial intelligence to detect suspicious activity on the streets of Paris during next summer's um, Olympics. But civil rights groups say the uh, technology is a threat to civil liberties, as the BBC's Hugh Schofield reports. Is that who actually wrote this? Let me see if I can find it. Sometimes it's at the bottom, sometimes it's not there, and this one seems to have been surreptitiously just thrown in. Um, let's see. Francois Matins says, We are not China. We do not want to be Big Brother, um, whose Paris-based AI company is bidding for part of the Olympics video surveillance contract. Under a recent law, police will be able to use CCTV algorithms to pick up anomalies such as crowd rushes, fights, or unattended bags. If it wasn't for the fact that it would be used for other nefarious purposes in the guise of law enforcement, then I wouldn't have a problem with it. But if it's there to protect, then fine. Find all the lost bags you want. But that you know we we hear again and again about how surveillance is used for creepy purposes for improper right like somebody's personally tracking somebody or or something along those lines it, and it may not I happen agree, initially you know, i don't think from a uh like a safety standpoint it's a bad thing but it doesn't stop there they say the law uh, explicitly rules out using facial recognition technology as adopted by China, for example, in an order to trace suspicious individuals. But <laughs> you're putting it out there. So uh, my point is the technology is going to be in place. All it is is a software add-on that allows the cameras to feed into a system that might be parallel construction to the non-face surveilling technology. It's not like the cameras themselves are the reason why there's facial tracking. It's the software that powers it and the AI that parses it. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's out there, then it's out there. The same thing as AI, right? AI in general, either you never allow it to ever see the light of day because it's going to change society fundamentally as the years go by or you release it everybody adapts and adopts it and copes with it and you deal with the ramifications as a society and in this case they're going to be doing this and in five years facial wreck is going to be pervasive through well, the system yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think from a safety standpoint, the city is wise to use some of these techniques. Sure. But of course, I mean, that's the age-old debate, right? Like, is it worth that for other ramifications? Yeah. Are you going to give up a little liberty for safety? Because you're going to keep on doing that because the safety portion is going to keep getting louder and louder and louder. Right, but I I would grant that Paris has a legitimate reason for that. Others have more of a hypothetical reason. I mean, Paris has had some known incidents. I'll just leave it at that. Gotcha. 
So it says around the town, we have 250 security cameras, far too many for our team of four to monitor. So the AI device monitors all of the cameras. And when it sees something that it's been told to look at, uh, it, it tells us to go and look at it basically. Um, and this is something that I actually, uh, so just for full disclosure, I actually wrote a research paper on using um, drones to do large scale surveillance over a combat theater to track those who might be planting IEDs in the roads um, and, and track them all the way back um, over large periods of time. That was the objective. So I understand what is happening here. I also understand the fact that you are nothing more than a slight software push away from making it something that is more dangerous to the common person because as I say to people, one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. And you could be in the same country as the terrorist and the freedom fighter. And whichever side decides to hold sway politically is suddenly the terrorist or the freedom fighter. You see my meaning? So we're stuck. And the one thing that gets abused the fastest beyond the the common person is the technology that's going to be leveraged to harm the other side because the other side is in power whatever the other side is so it's unsettling i understand what they're doing i understand the objective um i just don't like the idea because we have seen it time and time again I've known about it before my research paper. I've known about it since that people abuse power when they have the ability to, they abuse power. Um, I need to back up for a second and let me grab that article right there and throw that in chat and then throw this one in chat. There you go. Um, and uh, did you want to add anything to this? No, I don't have anything else. Man, I'm going to have to figure out a way to change your code so we're not on the same page about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep going. I mean, I could just argue it. <laughs> hey, if you want to be devil's advocate, go for it. Um, okay, so the next article is over in Hometown Daily. If you're thinking of buying an electric vehicle, don't forget to check out the tires. Electric vehicles offer a lot of benefits for drivers, but they can go through tires quickly. The environmental impact of tires is drawing attention, including from regulators. That's because there's a lot of torque from electric vehicles, so they kind of burn down their tires faster. Apparently. Uh, Tim I mean, Paradise... we've heard a lot about EVs, and I don't think we've ever seen anything about tires before this no this is a new one so yeah this is why that's why i included it today um because this is the first time that i've heard anything about tires electric vehicles can chew through tires faster because of their weight and peppiness that's that extra torque at the tires because they don't have to ramp up their power like a gas engine either with a turbo um a, a turbo has to spool up so you're moving slower at the start and then faster or if you have a four cylinder or a six cylinder you're gonna have to build up the torque as well but if you have an eight or ten or twelve cylinder car and you stomp on the gas you're gonna rip the tires off um, at a faster rate than 
you know, the weaker brethren, but electric cars, it's either on or off depending on the software and the power that's in the motors. Um, so you have electric motors, you smash that pedal and off you go full torque right off of the gate. Um, and that can mess your tires up because all of that friction. So the environmental impact of tires is drawing attention. So now you have basically all of the batteries, um, and now the tires as well. So you know what we're just going to have to end up doing, right? 3d printing the whole car. <laughs> no walking. We're just going to have to walk and then we're going to have to get special shoes because we're going to be doing <laughs> so much walking and more work from home. That way you don't have to have all of the tires on the road. Work from home is probably. Well, and the best I've thing. heard a theory that we should return to horse and <laughs> horse and buggy carriage because of all these right. types of issues, not EVs specifically. But Was it the Wyoming lobby? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, although they may be on board with it, they probably are. Um, EVs are essentially massive rolling batteries. This means that they're often heavier than their gas-powered cousins. Usually, we've already talked about that. Um, the EV's electric motors can produce huge torque at practically any speed. That tends to make the vehicles a lot peppier. Yep. So it basically crushes the tire more against the pavement and tears off little pieces of rubber. Um, so EV's pension for snacking on tires and broader concerns about the environmental harms from tires in general has some of the biggest manufacturers trying to green up their product lines. That means the next time you go car shopping or look for new tires, there could be more options for what rolls beneath. That almost sounds like a I mean, horror movie. That sounds like a horror movie. And then, <laughs> I mean, maybe we need like hover cars or something. I mean, this is clearly not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I've seen on various websites about bad drivers. I don't want them in the air now, too. Well, that's true. <laughs> um, so Bridgestone is a, is exploring how a desert shrub called Gayul um, could serve as a source of natural rubber. Uh, natural rubber can resist these torques a lot better than synthetic rubber. It's the only rubber that's used on airline uh, wheels because it can handle the heat. It can dissipate it and resist the tearing. Um, and so natural rubber is a superior product. These would well, be hopefully that's not an endangered plant or anything. <laughs> Great. Now, no, no, no. Now they're going to have to do an environmental impact study on the Gaiul. Hopefully it's a weed, but then somebody's going to outlaw it because it's a weed, just like actual weed. Um, Michelin introduced a tire in 2022 that the company said was made by 45% sustainable materials, including components from recycled tires, steel comprised from recycled scrap metal and silica made from rice husks. The company plans to make tires only from sustainable materials by 2050. Yeah. Get all those petroleum oils out of it. Good on them. Sounds good to me. Um, and maybe Assuming it won't be. they hold up though. Well, I would go through tires more often if it meant getting rid of petroleum derived Agreed. products, <clears throat> as long as they're on par as cheap as regular tires, which tires are not cheap nowadays. If they ever were, I don't remember 
me mincing dollars about the cost of tires when I was younger. Um, but nowadays I'm like, like they've always been expensive, but that tires 250 bucks, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, um, I'm all for it. So if, if you have to go through tires more often, I'd rather do that than have petroleum derived tires, uh, in play mainly because they get pulled off. They rarely get recycled at any reasonable, responsible rate. And when a fire does break out, it's horrid. And when it's just sitting there, um, it it acts as pools for mosquitoes. Water sitting there turns into mosquitoes, stagnant water. Um, well, and as we're seeing elsewhere in articles, malaria is uh, in that, popping yeah. up a little bit. Some random malaria in, where was it? Maryland or something like that? We've seen it in three states, I think, in the U.S. in the last month or so. Yeah, but the one that we just saw in Omtown was in Maryland, and it was a spontaneous... Right, it was not travel-based, and that's the big issue, because although I know there's a heavy prevalence of malaria in some other countries, in the U.S., most of it is travel-based, and it's brought in from another country. Yeah, another bad That's not what they're seeing. Another bad bat. Let's keep moving. Next article is over in the continuity report. Keanu Reeves' iconic heist movie gets perfect rating from former bank robber, despite its flaws, according to this article. A former bank robber is joining the cult following for uh, Keanu Reeves' iconic heist movie, Point Break, as he gives it a perfect rating, despite its flaws in depicting actual robberies. The movie was released in 1991 and tracks FBI agent Johnny Utah, who is Keanu Reeves, who goes uh, undercover to investigate a group of surfers believed to be criminals. Point Break has generated a loyal fan base over the years, and its action and performances, along with Catherine Bigelow's direction, have been praised by critics and audiences alike. So I uh, the reason why I wanted this is because Keanu Reeves apparently... Um, <clears throat> is a, a time traveler and um, a, like a perfect human being who is altruistic and the general nice guy, um, but yet doesn't take anybody's shit. And he has a, he rides a motorcycle that he's a co-owner of the company for um, uh, Arch Motorcycles, um, uh, which I want because they're very steampunky uh, or cyberpunky, I should say. And he's in Cyberpunk 2077, and he's Johnny Silverhand, and he is in. Uh, um, I mean, obviously the Matrix uh, franchise, Matrix movie, yeah, and basically. the John Wick franchise. Damn. So enough uh, gushing over Keanu Reeves. Brandy Entwistle is the author of this over at Screen Rant. The deck statement is Keanu Reeves' iconic heist movie Point Brink gets a perfect rating from former bank robber Kane Vincent Dyer, despite some of its flaws. There really isn't much else to say about this. Um, So let me throw the article into the chat. Um, Did I? Yeah, okay. Anyway, um, let me go over to Screen Rant. 
Point Break's portrayal of robbers wearing masks may alert people that a robbery is about to take place, whereas wearing glasses and a hat would provide more element of a surprise, except in this day and age where you can wear a mask and it's because you're afraid of COVID. That's right. Um, Everybody looks like a bandit. Yep. Um, in a recent video from Insider, former bank robber Kane Vincent Dyer uh, discussed Point Break's robbery scene while he explained some of the potential issues related to making customers lift their arms or deciding to rob a bank wearing masks. He ultimately praised the movie's overall depiction of the tension in the situation uh, and gave it a perfect 10 out of 10 rating. And you can read this uh, article over at uh, Screen Rant because I will not do that. Anyway, the bank robbery that Dyer looked at uh, occurs early on in Point Break and the culprits who refer to themselves as ex-presidents are not yet identified as the surfing group led by Bodie, who's Patrick Swayze. Um, I don't remember when I watched this. It's been that long. I don't think I've seen it. It's like 30 years old or something like that. Right? Let me see. Do they say when it was released? 91. Yeah. So how to make a person feel old in just one year. Anyway, go and check it out. It's an interesting read. Uh, if you are aspiring to be a bank robber. Um, Wait, that's not the takeaway here. Oh, really? Oh, sorry, I totally misread this whole thing. Um, I guess it's better to just move on. Let's do the last article for I mean, the night. I was going to say that was a new niche, though, for uh, movie <laughs> reviews, don't you think? Uh, well, we'll back up. That could okay. get really dicey depending on <laughs> what the movie was about. It, it, it's worth it to back up for that. You always want a subject matter expert to talk about your whatever it is, right? So, like, uh, if I want somebody talking about a widget, then I want a widget subject matter expert, right? So, yeah. But I don't know. At some point, you just want to discount the idea that, hey, that's a documentary. Go <laughs> go watch this well, movie. Right, and you don't really want to be associated, depending on the subject matter of the movie, with somebody who is attached to it in real life. Yeah. The movie's depiction of robbers yelling at the customers and making them lie down on the floor is unrealistic and would likely deter potential customers from entering the bank. Okay. See, I, I, I suppose the argument is you want to get in and out without being detected as anything close to being a bank robber. And then it becomes a hostage situation because you have to lock the door and keep everybody right. in. And da da da. But and I don't know. How about this? Don't rob a bank. How about that? Right. That's probably the main takeaway here. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I just, I don't. X. So X bank robber, a former bank robber. How? We're going to go with he's been convicted and everything and is not going, hey, I robbed all these banks and here's what I think. Yeah, I'm sure that it's in here, like that it's explained. No, it isn't actually. It doesn't say where he got his subject matter expertise or why he would be the person to talk to. <sighs> All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> it's a different article. I will grant that. Yeah, it's interesting. Screen rant. 
for all your screen rant needs. Ready to go on to the last article? Yes. Because I need a drink. And in the order of the grape, which actually it's for wine fans, but the article is talking about beer. Uh, maybe I'll just merge everything together into a single um, uh, group instead of broken out. But there's enough content out there that I like to have it broken out. Not everybody wants to go and see everything all the time. Well, right. And some people are definitely beer people or wine people or right. yeah. whatever. Yeah, and I'm a little of everything in moderation. So at any rate, um, this article's over in the Order of the Grape channel, and it's the most checked in beer in every state this year on Untapped. Um now I've I've left the 50 state list, um, but there is a lot more content over at the website that this comes from. So we're gonna just bounce right on over there. Uh, vinepair.com is the author Katie sorry is the website vinepair.com is the website and Katie Brown is the author they have this infographic that it must imply that it's beer cans but you can't make it out it just looks like cans I learned something new about cans the other day that I'm gonna have to demonstrate and then I'll demonstrate it on the air uh, the next time uh, I don't have any beer I don't have any cans let alone beer cans I don't have any cans um, but I want to show something that I learned via a TikTok that was played on YouTube. Oh. Yeah, I know. It's like a vertical uh, video inception there. Um, anyway, so Untapped launched back in 2010. Its mission to help craft uh, beer craft. Its mission was to help craft beer fans connect sharing their love for the category and touting their newest finds. Um, and so they actually ended up putting a list out yesterday. I think it, yeah, it's the last 24 hours. So we um, aggregated it yesterday, or I should say I did. The AI knows nothing about this process. Um, the uh, most checked in beer in every state. So pick which place you're from out there um and if you want to throw it in chat then throw it in chat um let's see arizona tower station ipa um mother road brewing company there's a lot of things that says brewing company all of them say brewing company kind of interesting is that highlight florida yeah, it looks like it interesting <laughs> interesting georgia is tropicalia creature comforts brewing company interesting interesting folks um did i throw that i did not throw that into the chat so hold on a second let me throw it into chat and y'all can follow it if you are so inclined um, ghost in the machine for mississippi that's interesting mad beer. health in pennsylvania in missouri there's one called beer barrel time 2021 so apparently it's beer that's been sitting in a barrel i wonder what that is that has to be that has to be um 
high alcohol because if it's been spending even a year the it's going to evaporate and concentrate interesting um let's see what else zombie dust in virginia three floyd's brewing zombie dust huh wow i don't know and i'm not really a hoppy drinker so ipas aren't really my jam i'm more of a lager person (coughs) i think it's interesting that the traditional lager from yingling brewery is the number one in texas I would that not is have interesting that. since it's not <laughs> i mean i am assuming most of these are local breweries let's see let's see if it actually mad elf from trogues independent brewing from pennsylvania what is going on here that's wild so wait did anybody else choose yingling yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Nobody else has Yingling. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm sorry for the coughing. Well, like one I can tell, or two I can tell at least because of the names of the breweries that they're local. So for example, Colorado is Breckenridge Brewery, so that's gotta be Colorado. Um, yeah, California Russian River, because that's a location. And then there was one, Hawaii had Maui yeah that's like a captive audience you know Pliny the elder that's actually got a really big uh following interesting arkansas lil wheezy (laughs) (laughs) these are awesome oberon ale from bell's brewery in michigan these are awesome names well anyway you might have to do a taste test of all these on a future episode or something there you go. North Dakota's is Chonkmerica Cake from Drecker Brewing Company. Whoa. That's a hell of a <laughs> I'm name. I'm sure what man. to make of that. North Carolina's is Pernicious Wicked Weed Brewing. So many awesome names. I, I want to try them all. But like I said, I'm not really a, an IPA drinker. Um, and sometimes, you know, it might say IPA and sometimes it's not. It doesn't say that it's an IPA. Um, depends on what their marketing says. Anyway, um, that's enough for tonight. We are all done. Kind of crushed today. Always bring us back to the main street. Refresh. And off you go. Pardon me one second. (coughs) So, um, these are interesting. Meta may launch a Threads web version early this week. And what is Sling Cards? To save the planet in this free ecological strategy game? It's weird because when I saw Sling, I thought it was related. Isn't that a TV streaming platform? uh, Platform. So that's what I kind of thought it was. And then I misread the headline. Interesting. Yeah. Sling cards to save the planet in this free ecological strategy game. Might have to include that. Um, Let's see. I like that there are six electric vehicle stocks that are getting some attention so that there's more competition. It implies that there's competition for Tesla. 
sorry, y'all. The the silence uh, is the AI uh, giving me instructions uh, through visual directions in the uh, in the cascade of characters. We followed it. <laughs> I was trying to move past an article that I don't think we want to feature, but oh. there was something about NASA. Um, well, now it's too late. There's the combination earthquake and hurricane, which is probably one for the record books. Yeah. Um, uh, another uh, m another member of uh, Omtown said, uh, "Now all they need is an asteroid." It's basically the apocalypse for crying out loud. All right. Anyway, that's it. We are done for the day. <clears throat> So thanks for coming, everybody. I appreciate it. Uh, be sure to download the video over on YouTube or watch the video on YouTube. Download the podcast. Come back and hang out tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we do it every day. We haven't missed a day yet. And and uh, we have technically, but we made up for it the next day. Um, and we plan to do that uh, for the for however long our future holds us here in hometown. Anyway. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. Up there is the AI that says bye at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if I want to say something else? <laughs> uh, you can say anything. No, anything you want. Yeah. Good night, hometown citizens. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern. Arr. See y'all later, folks. Bye bye. <laughs>